Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. How much of this platform can we really use? Can we get a Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter patch on our jerseys? Can our jerseys say mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter? Can the courts say Black Lives Matter? We can use that platform to the best of our abilities. And so it's just hard to call, bro. I, it's, it's honestly, right. it's hard to call. I'm, I'm 50-50 right now, to be honest with you. That's the Clippers' Lou Williams right there talking about going to Orlando. Can the jerseys say Black Lives Matter? Well, they could. We've seen other leagues do that. The NBA could do it if they want. PK, we've talked about this before. There's a big stage there if they use it. No, then there's no uh, no stage, I guess, if they don't use it is what you're saying. So, yeah, I agree. Potential early entry candidates for the 2020 NBA draft will have until August 17th to declare that they are entering the draft. Any player who already submitted paperwork for the draft's original deadline of April 26th doesn't need to reapply. If a player applied, withdrew his name from the draft, he can reapply if he changes his mind before the August 17 deadline. College coaches got to love this. They think their roster's set. Maybe not. This is a chance for someone to change their mind if they want. The draft is now October 16th. Yeah, I don't think that college coaches are not aware of what's going on. The, the rosters almost are literally never set until you get to the start of the season. And even then, players can leave, particularly in the first semester. They can leave at the break so they can establish residency in a new place. So I think college coaches have adapted. It's time to make these rules that are beneficial for the players. There's no such thing as a roster that's set. It's just it's not that, not that way. So as long as the rules are the same for everybody, they can adjust accordingly. You think you're going to have a, this player, that player. I mean, ask Larry Kristobiak about rosters being set, and that had nothing to do with the NBA and who's eligible for the draft or any of that stuff. So, I mean, this is the new world in which we live in, and so I don't feel sorry for them, and they don't feel sorry for themselves either. Uh, you have to have rules that I think that are best for the player. The NBA shouldn't be setting rules that colleges should abide by. It doesn't make any sense. But maintain your eligibility until the season starts. Chinese Basketball Association resumed their season. They had a five-month shutdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But all 20 teams are playing over the weekend. They're using limited venues to reduce the travel. They've got fewer international players. They've got no fans in the stands. So it doesn't sound like the one-side bubble, but limited amount of venues, just kind of a mix of what we're hearing baseball might do and basketball might do. Great. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Hey, what's up, bro? Hey, you coming to Dallas? Hey, man, I'm trying, bro. Jet star Jamal Adams. That's if he's trying to get traded to the Cowboys. You coming to Dallas? I'm trying. Been some rumors the Cowboys are interested in him, but there ought to be multiple teams interested in him. I guess from the Jets' perspective, you certainly don't want to trade him inside the division. If you if you had a team that was going to go in the playoffs, you wouldn't want to trade him inside the conference, and maybe the Jets will sign off on that, but it's not like the playoffs have been a big well, factor for them in multiple years. 
Yeah, but the East has never been more wide open in the last 12, 15 years now with Brady gone. Yep. And if you have ideas of going to the Super Bowl, I guess you really don't want to trade him within the league. <laughs> well, sure. Okay. Uh, the other Cowboy news is that Dak Prescott's expected to sign his $31.4 million exclusive franchise tender today. Now, they'll keep working on a uh, long-term contract extension. The two sides have until July 15th to work out that long-term deal. But by signing his tender, Prescott would be contractually obligated to report to training camp on time. We don't see a lot of holdouts anymore. It used to be a thing. We see them occasionally, but hey, when you got $31 million, you don't want to start missing games and giving up uh, 1 16th of $31 million. Two, Almost $2 million a game. No, thanks. $500,000 a quarter, PK. Good money. Good work. That's a productive afternoon. <laughs> you think? I mean, I know they want long-term security and all that, but doesn't $31.4 million bring security in its own right? I told you years ago in pro sports there are no losers. Definitely not Dak Prescott. The win. Brett Favre, Hall of Famer, thinks Colin Kaepernick will reach hero status in football similar to that of Pat Tillman. In a video from TMZ Sports, Favre was asked if he thinks Kaepernick has reached the stature of Jackie Robinson or Muhammad Ali, and if he belongs in the Hall of Fame based on his works on and off the field. Favre responded saying, I can only think of, right off the top of my head, Pat Tillman's another guy who did something similar and we regard him as a hero, so I'd assume that hero status will be stamped with Kaepernick as well. Uh, I can see that over over time. I think I think Ali's the better comparison than Tillman. Uh, Ali was controversial at the time, but then you get a couple decades removed, and he was thought of much better. I think Tillman was thought of very highly right from the start. So I don't think Tillman's the perfect comparison there. I think it's more Ali. All right, good for you, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. If you can't figure out the NBA, forget it. Because the NBA is the easiest of the bunch because you have the fewest number of players. You have the easiest arena with the, the, the fewest amount of issues in terms of just getting the place going. You just need a gym. I mean, you just need a gym and a bunch of cameras. If you can't do it with these guys, how are you going to do it with the like hundreds of people involved in running a college football team? That's Pete Futak right there on the issues uh, college football faces with COVID-19. A number of programs announcing positive tests for student-athletes. Texas had 13. K-State shut down voluntary workouts for two weeks after 14 tested positive. Clemson, 23. LSU had 30 guys. Some of them went to a club in Baton Rouge and then brought it back to the rest of the team. In Texas, some guys apparently went to a party. So, are players... Do players want to play badly enough that they will just... Go to practice, do online classes, stay home, go back to practice. Because anything outside of that, and they start opening the team up. 80, 85 scholarship guys, 105 guys overall. Seems unlikely to me, PK. On the other hand, if you don't have 30 guys at a time, a few people test positive and you just play the game without them and keep going. Yeah, I don't know that everyone is going to uh, have lock, stock, barrel, exact same things at all times, at all days, and all weeks, and all months, however long the season lasts. So if that's the requirement, it's probably not going to happen. 
30 UCLA players have asked for a third-party health official to oversee their workouts to ensure COVID-19 prevention controls are being followed. They detailed they do not trust head coach Chip Kelly's program to act in the players' best interest. They uh, drafted a letter together, sent it to the LA Times, and I guess there's the issue right on the surface of uh, COVID-19 and how they're going to handle the workouts, but then the other issue is uh, what's the relationship between the players and the coach, and what are they saying to recruits? That, do, that doesn't seem like a great relationship there, right there, PK. That, that, that didn't. I don't know if it's uh, Oklahoma State bad, but it's not good. If they don't like it there, I mean, no one's forcing them to stay. I'm not a love it or leave it guy, but that's just one option. But I always thought that the medical people should be independent anyway. I've, I've never really changed that thought no matter what's happened here in the last few months. To me, there always ought to be an independent medical staff, person, doctor, people, whatever, on everything, every practice, all the time. And the medical people should, as far as safety goes, have the final say, whether a player or players can return to a practice, to a game, whatever it might be. It shouldn't be a coaching situation because, especially during a game, when adrenaline is just pumping through the roof and you're not sure how you're thinking. Uh, I, I could just remember one time I was covering Narbonne High School. There's been, and back when I covered it way back when, they weren't very good, right? And so they used to play all their games in the afternoon. It's like the better teams would play in the evening to, to get more people to the games to try to make some more money for the schools. Well, they always played every Friday. They'd play at uh, 4 o'clock. So I, was, I'd always, I would do a doubleheader when I was covering high schools. And the quarterback... He got, I forget the type of injury, but, I, you know, you stand on the sidelines right there, and so you could, you're could you 10 feet away from the coach. And the coach, I mean, he's just as fired up as can be. They're trying to win this game. And he looks at the player, the quarterback, who had had some type of injury. He says, you ready to go? The kid says, yeah, 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 coach. He says, are you sure? You're not bleeping me, are you? <laughs> and it, it just made me laugh. You know, and I, he just because he was you can imagine coaches in the moment here, you know, doesn't really matter whether it's pro high school, whatever it is. You know, you're just you're so intense. And I can I still remember that moment. And there was nobody, no medical person, just a some kid who was probably a kid trainer, student trainer. But I always thought you should have a medical staff that has the say. And obviously they do have multiples there during games. But I think it should be there all the time. NC State Louisville football game has been moved to Wednesday, September 2nd. Louisville's hosting that game. That's going to be Kentucky Derby Saturday, so I guess they want a little separation there. Pat Forty tweeting out that it's going to be a bonkers week, you know, if all these events actually happen, of course. And PK, I think we're already starting to see this, and I, I can't see any reason why it doesn't accelerate. We've already seen opening week games move to Thursday and Friday put some of them on TV, and then we've seen week zero established. Depending on the year, two or three games, but some years a half dozen games. I think it's a bigger number this year. Now we're going to have a game on Wednesday. It seems like every conference to get a little more money in their TV contract could be moving games to Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. It seems like we could have a whole opening week of college football, and that we're just that, that's where this is going. Well, especially if classes are going to be largely online. I mean, I know you want them more when TV eyeballs can be there, and that's yep. the big thing. But it would be cool if it would be a Tuesday 3 o'clock game. If you don't have any fans or you have 10,000 fans scattered, and that's all you're going to have anyway, no matter what time you play it, 
as a consumer of sports, uh, particularly on television, that would be fun for me. I don't know that they would do that for the sake of trying to get as many people to watch the game as possible. But if there's not classes that are being attended and there also is not full stadium capacities, that would be interesting. That would be different and it would put probably put me more in front of the television to watch a Kentucky Louisville game than it normally would certainly if you had it on Saturday and our teams in the Pac-12 and the Mountain West and so forth are all playing you know the other complaint that we've heard from schools is the weeknight games are hard because of all the traffic on campus but at least this year and who knows going forward there's going to be a lot less traffic on campus so that yeah, goes, that's what I'm saying you know that that goes out the window all right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball players reverse course decided not to vote on Sunday on the league's 60-game proposal as Commissioner Rob Manfred made late tweaks to the offer according to reports. Manfred said an email to Major League Baseball Players Association Executive Director Tony Clark offering to cancel expanded playoffs and the universal designated hitter for 2021. The full season isn't completed. In 2020, offering to cancel. Hey, let me do you a favor. Hey, six-year-old, how about I cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas? <laughs> six-year-old DJ and six-year-old PK are like, no, there's football on Thanksgiving. Don't let me go to school. Offering. Offering. Uh, Major League Baseball also has closed training camps. Several teams reporting positive COVID-19 tests. Uh, Sports Illustrated reported there were 40 positive tests among players and staffers across all of Major League Baseball. So it seems like it's just going to come down to the commissioner saying, this is what we're doing. And this weekend he said, you know, well, we're kind of down to a 66-day window to play 60 games. So just announce it and get on with it already. Yeah, you let me know how it turns out. DJ and PK. It was a crazy day. Honestly, I'm, I'm speechless right now. You know, we had that big delay. Uh, I texted my good friend Mark Brazel to see if I could stay in his house here tonight. It looked like we weren't going to finish, but we went back out. The tour did a great job of getting us out there pretty quickly. We only had a 20-minute warm-up, and it was a long day uh, on the golf course as well. I didn't really get it going until 12, um, and then the putt started going in, and I was getting confident, and um, yeah, it's just it's amazing to be standing here right now. Golf. Webb Simpson picking up the win at the RBC Heritage. A record low score, 22 under. Beats Abraham Answer by one shot. Tony Finau finished tied for 33rd at 12 under. And PK, that was a birdie fest down the stretch. Lots of guys at 19, 20, 21 under. Looked like it was headed for a playoff for a while, but Webb Simpson gets out of there with the win. He did? Yeah, his second of the year. You say that... Tony Finau finished 30, tied for 31st, I think you just said. 33. Well, go back to the one down in the Valley of the Sun back in February of Super Bowl week. And Tony had that lead, and Webb Simpson was the one who caught him and beat him. Nick Watney tested positive for COVID-19 over the weekend, become the first PGA pro to test positive. 11 people who were in contact with him were administered tests, including Sergio Garcia, but all came back negative according to reports. So there you go. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
All right, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up at 9 o'clock today. Donovan Mitchell on social media and not real happy. What do Jazz fans think of that? We will get to that next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Have you showed Lisa this story? No. Will you put the headset on her and show her that story? <laughs> okay, now you be respectful while I'm gone, okay? Okay. Hey, hey yeah. fellas. Gordon is back. Hi, Gordon. Yeah, she's not here. I think she's on a walk or something. Now, wait a minute. Did you eat something? <laughs> I grabbed a snack. On the- you I didn't did go even <laughs> go look for it. I saw a couple of M&Ms, so I chucked them in my mouth, and then I went to the other side of the house to look for them. <laughs> you it. did not. You just went to the kitchen <laughs> to grab a snack. <laughs> Okay, isn't it? Sure, they're waiting on air for me, but heck, I'm oh, hungry. Well, yeah, eat some more. Oh, I got a snack. <laughs> the Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Question of the morning. Why would Jazz fans go at Donovan Mitchell on social media? Started with the Jazz Black Lives Matter post, and then Donovan, uh, there's some back and forth over that. Donovan had a post on his Instagram, then commented on Twitter about the comments on the Instagram. PK, there was a lot of back and forth. It got negative pretty quickly, and I'm sure you heard from Jazz fans, I know I did, who thought, well, this can't possibly good be good for Donovan Mitchell's rea- uh, relationship with Utah and the Jazz in the long run. There was uh, plenty of tension there. And uh, some of the comments coming into our Facebook page say exactly that. Steven says they're afraid he's going to lead, and I'm afraid to say he probably will. Such is the life of a Jazz fan. Uh, we've got um, Colton who says they're not true Jazz fans. They're good people. They're Bleeps, and they should be ignored so they can see how irrelevant they are. Uh, Scotty says, uh, they say it on social media because they'll never have the opportunity to say anything to his face. If they did, they wouldn't do it anyway. Chatter says there's a problem because Donovan's calling it like he sees it. Darren says, because Utah has a ton of racists, and if I was him, I'd leave. John says, racism is deeply ingrained in the culture. You know, I guess the only thing I would say to that, John, is is it deeply ingrained in Utah's culture or is it deeply ingrained anywhere? Would he have any different responses if he was saying this and he played for a different team? I mean, is the, is the uh, Instagram or Twitter, Twitter feedback limited to one team's fans anyway? I mean, when you're an all-star and a dunk champion and one of the top 20 scorers in the league, you got people following you from all over the country. I mean, Utah's got the rep, so it's going to stick that those are Jazz fans. And I would assume that most of the people who are following him are Jazz fans. But you can see anything different in cities across the country. I mean, we've seen L.A. and New York cops. Those are big cosmopolitan cities. We've seen them and we've seen people in those cities going back and forth over what's right and what's wrong. Why would it be any okay, so if here? you go back at him, you're a racist? Is that what you're saying? 
Uh, well, some people think that. I mean, I think it depends on going back at him, what you say and how you say it. I don't think it's simply going back at him. I think that's a big oversimplification. Um, but depending on what you say going back at him, yeah, some people are going to take it that way. There's one right here, uh, Garrick. Uh, this is life through different lenses. The problem is instead of sitting down and talking about what we all see and how we see it uniquely, searching for common ground and understanding, even through disagreement, we all try to cram our vision down each other's throats as though it's the only possible way life can be. Life in Utah simply isn't the same as New York or L.A., and social media continues to polarize because only 7% of all communication or something like that is words. So you're missing 93% of what each of us is communicating and losing the intent. You don't get tone and inflection or body language in 140 characters. And Garrett got some thumbs up for that take. Yeah, well, there's way more than 140 characters that are available now. That's, that's old school Twitter. That doesn't exist. <laughs> and it certainly doesn't exist at all and never did in Instagram. So... Uh, However, I do agree that social media communication is not real communication. It is not even close to that. So most of what this person is saying, I agree wholeheartedly. You can't have discussions on social media. You can have statements, but I don't see where you have discussions, where I try to understand you and you try to understand me. That's why I don't engage in any of that, ever. I will never do that. I may have done it and respond back to people, but it's ridiculous because it's not it's not productive. It's you stating what you think, and I interpret what you think, and then I respond according to my interpretation of what you think, which may not even be close to what you think, but it's what I think you think, and I'm responding to that, and then you try to go back and forth. I was having a text exchange Probably two texts apiece with Chris Camerani, the wonderful writer, used to work at the the Watchdog and now is with the Athletic Publication or Internet Service and does just a phenomenal job. I think the world of Chris, right? And so we're talking about something and we're going back and forth. And I think I sent him two texts. He sent me two. And after I sent him back my second, within 10 seconds, the phone rings. (laughs) this is too frustrating this is too slow i i I can't do this (laughs) i need to have communication i need to talk to the person that i'm having this discussion with and it was a heavy topic and and it's been in the news so you can figure out what it was and i laughed to myself thinking this guy's absolutely right there's no really free flow of information and ideas of what Chris is thinking and what I'm thinking. And how are we going to have a discussion? And then he, in, in a discussion sort of sometimes it flows like a river. You know, it may take a, a left and then back right. And, you, and if you're doing it in a text thing or some uh, Instagram spiel, it's really hard. And it's not really real. The best way to understand and in this case, why he didn't drive to my house, I didn't drive to his house. We did it over the phone. We probably talked for about an hour of you know, a lot of different things and get his thoughts. And he's going to have different thoughts than I am. You know, I'm much older than him, and, and, and he's a mixed-race guy. And, and really, he doesn't really need to understand me. I need to understand him and his perspective, where he's coming from. So I, I was grateful that he called. I didn't want to bother him because I think I started it. And so, you know, I didn't know what, what 
is he sitting down to dinner? Is, is he talking with his wife? Has he got friends? I mean, I don't know what he's doing at the time. So I text him. I think that's how it started. But I appreciate the fact that he called me and we could have a discussion about it. So this stuff that's out there, it's not really real. And it's certainly not without, I don't think anybody could agree, uh, disagree with this. It's not the most productive way to have a discussion on really, really, really important things. Agreed, 100%. And I totally get you and Chris getting frustrated with texts. You think so many things, it's so slow, and you are losing the tone and the body language. But I think for a lot of people, you know, with pro athletes, you're not going to interact with them. You're not going to have a conversation. Which one of us is going to have a sit-down, 30-minute conversation with Donovan Mitchell? Or was it 60, you said? You talked for an hour with, uh, with Chris. Oh, Chris and I? Yeah, it was probably about an hour. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's an hour conversation that's built upon a relationship. I can't even imagine how many hours you guys have stood outside of practice. I mean, now it's the Utes, but he did different stuff when he was writing for the Tribune. Um, he did, I think he did high schools at one point. He did soccer at one point. Uh, so he's covered a lot of different stuff. So the two of us have stood with him at games or practices. You know, there's a lot of hurry up and wait in the media. And so you get there, and then you're just killing time. So you're building a relationship and trust and a backstory, and this hour conversation goes on top of that. But with Donovan, who's going to have that? Not, not you and I. I've never had a one-on-one conversation. One-on-one conversations between the media and a jazz player are very rare. It's not that they don't happen. The, the discussion that we get to have with Joe Ingles, very rare. Everything's done in a group format these days. So well, you're not yeah. having this discussion on top of all that trust that you build up over the course of a relationship. And the Joe Ingles thing, interestingly enough, stemmed from multiple one-on-one conversations. Right. <laughs> That's how the idea was hatched. They have through... that leap and leaners, and uh, they have a leap and leaners dinner on the arena floor, and that was one of the first times you got leap to spend time with tops. them. Yeah, it's been a charity fundraiser they've done for years. Right. There's a couple of times that I had the opportunity to talk to him one-on-one, and that's where it developed. So you don't have the opportunity agreed. And Donovan Mitchell is a 23-year-old kid, basically. I mean, he's a man, obviously. He's a young man, put it that way, rather than kids. He's a 23-year-old young man. And so he's going to have his points of view. And he's got – these athletes have these formats now that never existed before – and so he wants to express them in that way. Uh, I think you just got to let it be. It's, 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 it's like I, I, I made sure when I saw the Brett Favre thing, I knew we were going to include it. But that's Brett Favre has an opinion. Uh, you voiced it, uh, whether it should be uh, Muhammad Ali or Tillman. That's not really the issue. The issue is, does Kaepernick belong on that level? Not whether Tillman belongs ahead of Ali or whether Ali belongs ahead of Tillman or Jackie Robinson. That's not the issue at all. The issue is, does Kaepernick belong there? Well, I'm not going to have this imaginary conversation with Brett Favre. <laughs> if I had the opportunity to talk to Brett Favre about it, fine. I would love to do it to get his thoughts on what he's, what he's thinking. Whether I agree with him or not doesn't really matter. But I, I told myself when I saw it yesterday and the hubbub that created, I'm not going to get involved in this because I know we're going to discuss it tomorrow. But this, it's pointless. 
Because I'm going to have an imaginary conversation and respond back? Uh, well, no, I'm not. So I'm just going to let it go. Uh, because it was... I see people put it out on social media, blah, 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 blah. Very rarely is anything productive going to be from social media in terms of discussion. And now, and, and Donovan put out the, um, what did he do? He tweeted something, that's, uh, some mural that's downtown somewhere of this George Floyd and, and somebody. Got covered by black paint. Yeah. And then he, what did he, he tweeted something along those lines. Uh, Can't even have a mural or something like that. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that related to Utah? Was it, and once you, you once once you have the word the state Utah or Salt Lake, and then once you use the word culture, let's call it like it is. We're saying Mormons. Let's have honest discussion. That's what we're saying. So was Donovan saying that about the state? Was he saying it? We can't have murals. Was he saying it about the state? Was he saying it about the city? Was he saying it about the country? I don't know what he was saying about it. And. That you're not going to find that out. There's not going to be a real discussion on social media. And he's a 23-year-old man looking at life through the lens of a 23-year-old man who has had a you know, pretty good situation. You know, if you, you look it up, you see he's gone to multiple private schools and, and all that. And so is he finding himself now and getting more socially active uh, now that he's out in the real world opposed to being at a boarding school? which is where he went the last couple of years, as I understand it, in high school. He's from the tri-state area because his father worked for the Mets, but the mom put him in a boarding school in New Hampshire, I think it was. And, you know, obviously you got to have finances to do that. Uh, and so is he, you know, wh- what's going his through his mind to want him to be, at least to a degree, socially active, which yeah, obviously he has every right to be that. So I would like to have a discussion, and you're right, it'll never happen, but at the root of what, what is motivating Donovan Mitchell to say these things, forget about necessarily what he's saying, but what's the motivation? You know, well, where, that's, he, where that goes, is he? Yeah, that goes to your point with Chris Kimrani, that when you end up having an hour conversation, it goes a ton of different places. You know, if, if you had this imaginary hour-long conversation with a jazz star, and it's not just Donovan, you know, it's not likely to happen with Rudy. It's not likely to happen with, just go down the roster. It's not likely to happen with the 12th guy on the roster, 15th guy. Um, you know, it would go down to how you grew up, uh, who your dad worked with, how he grew up, who he interacted with in different phases of his life, from the college to the boarding school to uh, Major League locker rooms. I mean, you've seen some photos of him hanging around the Mets because of his dad. He had access uh, there. and you know, So, I mean, there'd be a lot of stuff that you could kind of track down and weave together, but it's not going to happen in the social media post, and you're not going to have the conversation. So how much is he going to understand fans? How much are fans going to uh, understand him? And the, the stuff that's the easiest to understand is the loudest most blunt, often most um, what controversial or hurtful thing. That's, that's the easiest thing to understand. The other stuff that I think you really want to understand, that, that's the harder stuff to get to. It's, you're not going to get to it in the first 140 characters. You're not going to get to it in the first three minutes of a conversation, not likely. You know, that, that's something, you, you know, you and Chris were probably 
searching for something, chasing some. I don't. I mean, I I can kind of guess what you were talking about, but I can't guess about what you talked about over the course of an hour. I can probably guess the subject of the first couple of texts. There's only two or three guesses to make there, uh, based on recent events. Um, you know, but you guys kept talking for a reason. You were trying to figure something out. Some common ground, some back and forth, and social media is not going to provide that. But no, it can definitely it, hurt feelings, whether it's Donovan's feelings or the feelings of some jazz fan, not to mention his feelings of some jazz fan who just reads it and never posts. It's just reading the, reading the string of comments going, well, this can't be good. Yeah, there's that issue, and then folks are worried about, well, is this young black star, rising star, too? I mean, who knows how good he's going to get? I don't think he's leveled off. I don't think any of us think he's leveled off. He's dynamic. He's charismatic. Uh, I mean, it seems like he's the only thing he isn't is tall, and that's never going to change. But you know, it looks like he's he's probably not going to lead you solely to a title. But there's no reason why he can't be an important piece of a title. You know, the comparisons to Dwayne Wade have been out there. So there's that issue about, well, is he going to stay and is he going to be in your basketball organization for uh, in the way the statues were? Or is he going to be a Hayward? And uh, so you got the social issues there and what he's saying. And then you have over here whether he's going to stay with with the ball club because eventually he'll have his complete and total choice on whether he wants to stay or not. He doesn't have that right now. I guess suppose now he could just make it so ugly that he would force a trade out of town. That doesn't seem likely. That would be that would require something really dramatic in the short term. So you've got him for uh, what the next four or five years, and then when he approaches twenty seven, twenty eight, and he's like Durant or uh, Shaq or Hayward did, and they can go wherever they want. So there is that concern there. Uh, and I get that from the from the fan perspective. I don't know that the social media stuff is out there to where, okay, he sees some responses and he's thinking, wow, this place really does suck. Look at these people. Yeah, they cheer me, but they don't really support me. They just cheer me when I'm wearing one of the 27 uniform combinations <laughs> that we have. Uh, but uh, that's really just it. They're, re- they're only cheering me for their own edification because they want the team to win. They're not really cheering me because they like me and what I stand for. I don't know if he's even getting that deep. I don't even know if he thinks that whatsoever. I got to admit. That could be something that doesn't even I, cross his mind, but yet we've projected that on him, and it might not even be true. It might not be, but I, I think that's what I was projecting. <laughs> I'll just speak for me here. I'm pretty sure that's what a couple hundred jazz fans were projecting too. Or but maybe you don't a know thousand. that that's what he's thinking. I don't. I don't. You don't know right. how deep he's taking this. I don't. You don't know at all. I don't. But you I don't think know. a couple people posted this, and I think that you know against the backdrop of what happened with Westbrook, and then some of the reaction he got on social media, it would be easy to think that. And it doesn't mean automatically that he is, but it would be easy to think that. It was easy for me to think that. Well, okay, if you're going to extrapolate that, then where does that end? You have to think, well, all the other teams, what are there, 30 teams in the league? So if he's not going to re-sign with the Jazz, we'll take the Bulls out of it because Chicago just had 60 people shot over the weekend. 
well, then no one, especially a black person, isn't going to go to Chicago because the chances of you as a black person getting shot in Chicago are a lot higher than they are in Salt Lake City. Now, I doubt that Donovan Mitchell is even thinking that. But if you're going to take that line of thinking, where does it end? <laughs> How far do you take it? You know, that's just an extreme example. I don't even think he's thinking about that, but I just throw that out there because I just saw on Twitter twenty or 60 people were shot over the weekend there. Seems like that's an outrageous amount of people getting shot. What do I know? But seems like that's somewhat of a problem. Maybe I'm wrong, and I have no idea what the problem is and how it got started, and we have to assign blame uh, on everything these days, and I don't know who to blame. No clue. I'm not making a social commentary whatsoever, but... I'm just saying, if we're going to create this imaginary, potentially imaginary uh, issue, then continue it. And how do we know that, you know, my gosh, he grew up uh, back east and he wants something else. So let's eliminate the uh, Nets and the Knicks and the Celtics because he's already been in that mark, that mark and he doesn't want to be over there anymore. He wants to be somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? You can just go on and on on this and worry about stuff that you don't even know that the young man is even thinking has entered his mind whatsoever it, it, it that's why this this discussion over social media is just it is so pointless because it just isn't that it is not a discussion it's just a couple of thoughts and statements that are put out there here and there but there's no give and take no back and forth it's like having uh 22 pieces of a 500 piece jigsaw puzzle yeah I'll put that together to make sense of it but, yeah, that would lead you approximately 478 pieces short. Nice. Good math. While you were live on the radio. Well done. I struggle with that. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what were you watching? We will get to that next. And, man, I, I started watching. It just took me back to the Patrick Kinahan story. It was just, it was an automatic. I laughed when I saw it. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, the athletic director at Utah State. Your confidence level right now is pretty good that uh, the season will start on time against the opponents that you've scheduled. Yeah, I know uh, we've been in communication with Tom Homo at BYU and with Utah kind of looking at, hey, what does attendance look like? And obviously some directives from the governor's office that said outside venues, you know, 6,000 inside venues, 3,000, and hopefully those numbers will grow between now and the beginning of the season and we're trying to see you know with our capacity 25-5 seeing just how many people we can safely assemble inside Maverick Stadium Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my hands. DJPK brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. So I got home after talking sports last night, PK, and my uh, wife and daughter had gone to bed, and I was just kind of uh, 
channel surfing mindlessly as I tried to wind down so I could go to sleep, so I could get up and come in here. And so there's nothing that really can be as brain dead as the game show network at midnight. (laughs) And Family Feud was on, which made me, of course, think of you because you know a family from your neighborhood that got to be on the feud. I, I met them once. And so I was watching, and, and the show starts, and it came out, and they introduced one family, and they were right here in Atlanta, Georgia. And then the other family coming to us all the way from the desert, and I kind of perk up a little bit, from Casa Grande, Arizona. <laughs> what are the odds? Wow. How many families can live in Casa Grande? Is the population, when you were there, was it like 10,000 people? Or was it even smaller? Well, yeah, this actual city, I think uh, that was about it. If you include the, there's a couple little surrounding areas, although it's grown a lot, but that was a long time ago when I was there. So, yeah, you're in ballpark. It's still tiny. It's still tiny. I couldn't believe it. They got beat, though. So, ah, I know it's the way it goes. What are you going to do? Well, it's better to have loved than lost than to not have loved at all. <laughs> but I, I got to admit, when I was just minusly channel serving through movies I didn't care about, and I, I checked the sports networks first, there was really nothing good going. And they just started replaying the Chiefs Rams game, which I think turned into like a 45 42 game or 42 38 or something like that. I think it was a crazy shootout, but it was going to go till two in the morning. So no thanks on that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Casa Grande. Fabulous. Uh, did you watch any of the ESPYs? We got uh, we got that of up course. on Of our... course. Did you really? Yes. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> well, I'm woke. I didn't watch them. <laughs> I'm woke, buddy. I don't think anyone wants to hear you say that. Yacht just made a horrific face. <laughs> Irregardless, I am woke. Irregardless. Yeah. No, what I do is I watch that stuff, and then I read Jason Whitlock's responses to it, and it keeps me entertained. Does he tweet all the way through the show? Well, he wrote about it. He's oh, doing okay. that thing. that He works for that outkick. For outkick that coverage now, yeah. Clay uh, Travis, who's on right before us in the mornings. And, uh, yeah, so he writes columns for them, and uh, he had one up there this morning. And it's always uh, entertaining. My column today, when you see Russell Westbrook in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, you know corporate America is sponsoring racial unrest. Wait a minute. Say that one more time. When you see Russ. Are you ready? Yeah. My column today. So he's writing for Jason Whitlock. When you see Russell Wilson in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, you know corporate America is sponsoring racial unrest. Sponsoring it. That's what he wrote. Wow. And that that's basically the paragraph. You know, it's not really a headline because it's a little longer than a headline. Yeah. But, yeah. And so that's But before you click on it, they put that there, and then you got to click on it to see the whole story. uh, He's writing it himself, I think. It's because it's under his uh, Twitter. So that's basically the synopsis of what he's going to write about. And then you should, you know, it's up to you. You click on it. You choose to read it. Great thing about it is it's free. And so you can just click on it. Yeah, the headline is, Blame Corporate Sponsors, Not Media, for Racial Unrest. So Jason Whitlock... You know, whether you agree with him or not is a thought-provoking person for sure. And obviously he's black, so 
that's the thing. You know, you're supposed to almost to the point of think one way, and if black folks think the other way, and they put it out there, so if you're black conservative, by definition, you're controversial. Even if you don't really want to be, you are, because you're the minority of the minority. And so, you know, he he puts you out, he puts stuff out there that really generates a lot of response. I got to give him credit for that, man. Uh, so sometimes I read it and I agree with him. Sometimes I agree with, I read it and I don't. But that's that's the point of someone who writes an opinion piece. I mean, if you agreed with someone who writes an opinion piece all the time, well, then, then you wouldn't need it, to read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So no matter who the opinion writer is, if I agree with you all the time, that you're sort of defeating the purpose of having an opinion piece. So it doesn't matter who you are. Probably don't agree with uh, somebody all the time on just about every. If you agreed with somebody every everything, uh, that would that would be unusual. So, uh, but yeah, I did. Why would you be surprised that I watch the ESPYS, man? You don't like award shows. We've been hearing that for eighteen years. Exactly. I was going to say you always rail. You make you making it. You make an exception for the Grammys because music is your escape. It's your getaway. But you don't like award shows. Yeah, but th- is this really an award show? Are they winning an award? Is it a real award? Are we going to say, like, Glenn Fry dies, right? And they replace him in the Eagles with Vince Gill. Vince Gill, and he's 60 years old when he gets in. He, he had, he, by the time he joined the Eagles a few years back, he had won 22 Grammys. This is like replacing Joe us. Uh, Montana with Steve Young, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you bring in someone who's won 22 Grammys, he's going to be part of the band. This guy is a superstar in his own right. And so they refer to that, Vince Gill, comma, winner of 22 Grammys. The ESPYs, whoever wins, it's not going to be years from now, Russell Wilson, comma, the winner of four ESPY awards, won his second Super Bowl. It's not real. It, I watch it for entertainment, not the entertainment that they're trying to project. It's so stupid and so laughable, the stuff that they're giving out. It's a social commentary show. It's not really an award show. So to call it an award show is inaccurate. It's not an award show. It's not something that's recognized. Can you name anybody who's won any SB in years past? And to where they're recognized as like Vince Gill, winner of 22 Grammys? That means something, doesn't it? When you, uh, that would make a great. 22 Grammys? That would make a great (laughs) poll. Because of the award shows, there's multiple country music award shows. There's multiple movie award shows leading up to the Oscars. And, And to your point, the Oscar would be the comparison. Like if you've won an Oscar then, you know, you're probably box office. It's a big deal. But but leading up to it, if you've won, uh, is it the SAG Directors Guild or something like that? If you've won one of that, if you've won uh, the People's Choice Awards, uh, I don't even know what they all are. There's like multiple award shows leading up to the Oscars. I don't think that gets listed. Whereas if you're in a movie and you're Tom Hanks, a two-time Oscar winner, best actor, 
okay, well that, you know, but it's not yeah. Tom Hanks seven people's choice awards. I don't have any idea how many he has. Nor do I I mean to your point, no, I don't know for the ESPYs how many anybody has, you know, cuz the the pro athletes, it's about how many all-star games you went to, how many championships you won, how many MVP awards you've got, how many times you're first team all NBA. Those are the awards people are going to reference you by. Who's the first black actress to win best actress? Halle Berry? Yes. See, so you know that. That's an Oscar. So that means something. Do the ESPYs, do they yeah. mean anything? It's, All I give credit. Stuff. ESPN became a self-marketing promotional yeah. tool, and they created their own deal. And you knew full well they're going. it's going to be basically, an, how long does it last, an hour or two? And it's just going to be a time for social media. I mean, not, uh, not social media. It's going to be a time for uh, social issues. And that's, that's what it is. We've and got... then people are going to comment on it. Uh, Al, heard it was a joke. Nope, I don't know anything about it. Mark, are they still doing those? Aaron, <laughs> the ESPYs, I'd rather watch the Dundies. Yak, I get that joke now. Six months ago, I don't get that joke. I don't know what a Dundee is. Well, there you go. Well... And I put that up knowing full well that our audience would reject actually laugh at right. it. Yeah. Chris yeah. says if I wanted to not- be lectured, I'd go to church. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know they were on last night until midway through them, which you know, if you're really into it, they repeat it so you can just, you know, watch it, it ends and then it just loops back and starts again. But I thought like, how did I not know the ESPYs are coming up? I always know and I realized for three months I've watched way less ESPN than I usually do because they don't have games. Normally they got half the NBA playoffs so you know what I'd be watching the last three months and now maybe I watch the um, uh, well obviously I watched the Jordan stuff uh, but I didn't see any ESP promos uh, during the last dance. And sometimes I watch uh, Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center. He gets on a lot of the newsmakers, whatever's going on. He gets on the people who cover it, too, who can kind of, you know, they kind of know where it's going. You know, they have the access to national people the way you have access to local people. You know, so even if it hasn't happened yet, they often have a pretty good idea where it's going. So maybe I'd see that. So I, I hadn't seen the promos. Usually I would have seen about 500 promos for it, and I know exactly when it is. ESPN needs games Dang. back. They'll get them soon, I guess. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland's coming up an hour. Stay with us.